What's up, Hawks fans? Welcome to another episode of Sweater Weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast as usual. My name is Luke. I'm joined once again by Abe. How you doing, Abe? Good. Good. Uh, so I started playing Neo. You got it for me. Abe got me Neo for Christmas. I hadn't played it yet. Uh, Fantastic what? game. Yeah, it's like... It's like samurai Japanese Dark Souls. Yeah, so it's, it's ma- actually made by, uh, I think, Ninja Theory, who made... Uh, the Ninja Gaiden games. So, um, yeah, it's like Ninja Gaiden and Dark Souls all wrapped up into one. I finally got a shirt. I told you last night I played like half an hour. I didn't even have a shirt yet. Um, I finally found one. I feel like I like it maybe a little bit more than Dark Souls. It feels like it's, based on my very limited time with it, it feels like it's a little bit easier than Dark Souls. Just Yeah, oh yeah. No, it definitely bit. is. And uh, I suck at Dark Souls. So it, it makes it a little bit more approachable, I think. But it still has that challenging aspect to it. Actually, it's almost identical, really, because, it, you know, in Dark Souls, you have the, the bonfires, but you've got the shrines that you pray to and Neo, and it, like, resets the enemies around you and refills your health. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same sort of deal. What are you playing right now? Um, still playing Black Ops 4. Okay. Like crazy. Did you ever play God of War? No. Oh, my gosh. Like, no joke, my... Backlog of games just keeps growing and growing. Like I have the Spyro. You gotta move God of War to the front. I have the Spyro trilogy. No, I've got of War. I've got uh, Dark Souls Remastered that Colin got me for the Switch. All great games. Um, what else? You should play God of War. I still first. have Pokemon. I still have Zelda. Multiple game of the year ones. You haven't finished Breath of the Wild? No, I only played it for like an hour. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, Breath of the Wild was good. I thought it was a little overrated. But it was good. It's not your traditional Zelda game. So I wouldn't go into it expecting one. Mm-hmm. I'd go into it expecting like a... Uh, like... Almost like... Mm, I don't want to call it Baby's First Open World Game. Because it's it's actually pretty challenging. Especially early in the game when you have like no strong equipment or anything. Mm-hmm. Um... But it's yeah, it's it's pretty simple compared to things like Far Cry or uh, like Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, play that one, play that one too. Uh, oh yeah, eventually I'll play them all. So yeah, eventually. But you gotta hurry up before more games come out. True. Are you gonna get Days Gone? Cause that com- I don't know yet. Cause that comes out pretty soon. That game I don't know. Ghost of Tsushima is the one I'm really looking forward to. When does that come out? I think March. Uh, Tsushima release date. March um, or April. It's, I think it's the first quarter. Bu- 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 du- du. I don't know. It just says early 2019. I. Um, anyway, uh, enough about that. Let's talk about some hockey. Let's do the hockey. Uh, so I got four news items here. Uh, and actually, one of them would have gone into like the around the league section. But uh, since we only had that one, I'm just going to lump it in with the other stuff. Um, all right, so starting on number one, this one comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. On January 19th, Corey Crawford hit the ice before practice. For the first time in more than a month, the Blackhawks goalie was reunited with the teammates on the ice, though it was only for about 20 minutes. 
Crawford joined goalies Cam Ward and Colin Delia for a workout before practice. He participated in drills and took some light shots from teammates and goalie coach Jimmy Waite. Asked if Crawford would be participating regularly with the team, coach Jeremy Cotton said, I don't know. Uh, he also didn't know what Crawford's timeline is or if Crawford had been skating on his own. So this is a positive sign. This is like uh, what we saw from Crawford, you know, like early October, mm. a couple weeks before he came back. Yeah. Yeah, I think if anything, if he's going to come back, it probably would be like middle February, end of February. The The timeline makes sense. Um, he's still not traveling with the team, as far as I know. Although they don't have they don't have any games this week, so mm-hmm. it, it might not be until like next week that we hear anything else. At least, yeah. I I actually I remember reading something about Colleton also mentioning how, like, he doesn't have any updates on Crawford, but at the same time he doesn't want to keep like asking him like how are you feeling type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he's just letting him recover on his own without. Like, with his team, so they don't have to just, like, try to pressure him or anything. Like, just take your time and come back. Yeah. Um, Colton's NHL career was actually uh, sidelined because of concussions as well, so he, he understands that situation. He's been in that situation. I think he just he wants Crawford to focus on getting better and not want to feel like the team is, you know, standing there with their arms crossed, like, looking at their watch, tapping their feet, waiting for him to come back. Yeah. Um, when Crawford does return, which it appears that he will, probably this season, um, Colin Delia is going to have to go back to Rockford. Uh, Cam Ward has a no-movement clause, so he won't be going anywhere. Crawford obviously will go back to being the number one, mm-hmm. um, which is fine as long as uh, Delia is playing. We want him playing games and uh, getting used to making a lot of starts and getting used to that long season because at this point it's looking like he's our number one candidate for goalie of the future yep he's been really impressive lately Mm -hmm. i feel like he's um he's he's cooled out a little bit oh yeah uh he's not making you know like he's not putting up like a 970 save percentage every single night like he was the first couple of games he's regressed to uh, a little bit more normal and by normal I think he's still like hovering around like 930 or something which is still really good mm-hmm. um, but yeah uh, he I think he had one or two kind of brutal games in there I mean and even the Caps game he gave up what five goals but yeah uh, but Hawks just scored more <laughs> yeah that happens from time to time though and he seems like he's pretty good at coming back out on the ice and like just letting those bad games go and or if you know he has a bad first period then he's good at coming back out in the second and like putting it in the past and st- uh, focusing on not allowing any more uh, bad goals going forward mm-hmm. uh, so number two this one comes from NBC Sports on Thursday evening the Blackhawks made a trade with the Los Angeles Kings acquiring forward I'm going to butcher this because I always butcher the pronunciations Acquiring forward Dominic Kubalik. Kubalik, who is from the Czech Republic, will finish the season with HC Ambri Piata of the National League in Switzerland. Over 25 games with Ambri Piata during the... <coughs> sorry, I got some shit in my throat. During the 17-18 season, he netted 27 points, uh, 10 goals and 17 assists, in 25 regular season games. 
He tacked on a goal and assist. He tacked. This sentence is butt fucking my brain into oblivion. He tacked on a goal and six assists in 10 regulation postseason contests. The 23 year old forward also represented his country at the 2018 Olympic Games and World Championships. In Pyongyang, he accumulated two markers in five games. And he finished with eight points in the 2018 World Championships. During his two seasons, 2012 through 14, in Ontario Hockey League, he was teammates with current Blackhawk Dominic Cahoon. In the swap for Kubalik, Chicago sent a 2019 fifth-round pick to the Kings, which the Blackhawks had previously acquired from the Arizona Coyotes. Everything I read about this guy makes it seem like this is a steal. I'm not expecting him to be Alex Brinkett or Artemi Panarin, but he seems like he'd be a good player, at least as good as Dominic Cahoon, who's been fine. Okay, so like third, second, third liner. Yeah. Which uh, we need. Yeah, th- that being said, I don't really know that much about him. I'd, I'd look up some, some scouting reports or something. But yeah, we've uh, Bowman's still making some moves. It's kind of a minor move, but we'll see how this one plays out into the future. Uh, he's still a prospect now. He's he's not actually signed yet, I believe. Uh, I think we've only traded for the rights to sign with him. I think it uh, it sounded like it was still kind of up in the air if he was going to sign with the Kings when he uh, was still under their control. Okay. Uh, but we'll see. Moving on, number three. Uh, this one was going to go into the around the league category, but there were so few that I just... Oh, you're doing the timestamps. I'm like, what kind of emoji is that? <laughs> um, number three. Uh, this one comes from the Boston Globe. Uh, Edmonton fired Peter Chiarelli on Wednesday in an indictment of his roster moves in three-plus years as general manager with the Oilers in striking distance of a playoff spot during another losing season. The team announced Chiarelli's abrupt dismissal in the aftermath of its third consecutive loss. Edmonton has lost 12 of its past 16 games. The Oilers are 14-14-2 since firing coach Todd McClellan and replacing him with Ken Hitchcock. CEO Bob Nicholson will oversee hockey operations in the search for Chiarelli's replacement. Nicholson said at a news conference in Edmonton that Keith Gretzky will assume GM responsibilities for the time being, including the role, including the point role ahead of the February 25th trade deadline. Nicholson said the Oilers, three points out of, a fi- of the final playoff spot in the Western Conference, still believe they can make the playoffs. Chiarelli was told of his dismissal at the second intermission of a lost Tuesday night to Detroit so he could quietly leave the arena. All right, so first of all, Peter Chiarelli is a cancer, and it's great for Oilers fans that he is gone. Yeah. It's not so good for the rest of us because we have one less GM that we can fleece in trades. <clears throat> like, the Brand, like the Brandon Manning, uh, Drake Kajula trade. Uh, so that that last paragraph is, it really sticks out to me. He was, um, he was let go during the second intermission of their home game against Detroit because they wanted to allow him to leave the arena without being harassed by media, fans, whatever. Yeah, that... I don't know if I've ever heard of that before happening. Like in any pro, in any sport. That's... It's... Mm, I've never heard of that happening. 
but it does remind me of the uh, last season, the three-way trade between uh, Colorado, Nashville, and Ottawa, when that sent Duchesne from Colorado to Ottawa. It sent Kyle Turris to uh, Nashville, and it sent a first-round pick from Ottawa to Colorado. I might be mixing some of this up. But what happened was uh, uh, Duchesne was traded mid-game. Uh, maybe you remember this. He was traded mid-game. One of his teammates was injured and taken out of the arena um, on a stretcher. And uh, Duchesne just left along with the stretcher and didn't return to the game. It was the weirdest thing. Because like, the play-by-play guys saw it, and they're just like, oh, he's going to comfort his teammate or whatever. And it, it turned out that it was not that. It was He got traded, and he wasn't going to finish the rest of the game in an avalanche sweater when he was no longer playing for the avalanche. See, I've heard of that happening in baseball, but I, I don't think I've seen that happen in like, hockey or basketball. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, so, yeah. Chiarelli's uh, uh, been fired. His final horcrux was destroyed. It was uh, probably acquiring Brandon Manning. <laughs> I think his final horcrux was that loss to Detroit. Although they hadn't even officially lost yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, they were probably planning it for a while. Yeah, Edmonton uh, fans can finally rejoice. Yep. Yeah, uh, congrats, you guys, if anyone's listening from Edmonton. Uh, moving on to number four, I just got a couple of uh, results from the skills competition that are relevant to Chicago. Uh, number one, or letter A as it would be, uh, Chicago's own 2018 Olympic gold medalist Kendall Coyne Schofield participated in the fastest skater competition, becoming the first woman to do so. She clocked an impressive 14.346 seconds, but she and every other contestant ultimately lost to the fastest skater. Ultimately, lost the fastest skater competition to now three-time winner Connor McDavid. Uh, that kid's a beast. He's got some wheels. Oh, yeah. He's got some wheels under him. Um, but uh, Kendall Coyne, she she's very fast, very fast skater. Mm-hmm. It was really cool to see her out there, um, especially since she's a Chicago native. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, she was actually she was there because uh, Nathan McKinnon did not participate in the All Star game, um, or anything in the All Star weekend. I think he's injured or something. He was physically there, and they introduced him, um, which allows him to uh, collect his bonus. <laughs> It, it allows him to uh, circumvent that uh, mm. one-game suspension. Right, right, right. Um, but, yeah, he still didn't participate, again, I think, because he's injured. Uh, so in his place, Kendall Coyne uh, laced up her skates, and uh, she took part in the uh, fastest skater competition. I saw some other skaters there from, like, uh, Women's Team Canada. Yeah, there was one other one that participated in a different event. I forgot which one it was. <clears throat> um. I was just reading about it, too. Actually, give me one second, and I'll pull it up. Uh, uh, and then, in addition to that, we've got... Uh, this one comes from Second City Hockey. Blackhawks winger Patrick Kane. Never heard of him. Came up short in the puck control challenge during the NHL All-Star Skills Competition on Friday at SAP Center. Uh, Kane started the event with a 28.611 second time that stood, that stood the last skater reigning event champion. It's a weird sentence. I would say that stood until the last skater. Yeah, that stood until the last skater, reigning event champion. I copied and pasted this from Second City. So, um, 
so Johnny Goudreau uh, beat Patrick Kane at the end. Uh, the Calgary store, store, the Calgary Star clocked in at 27.045 seconds to repeat in the event and take home $25,000. Goudreau won last year at Tampa with a time of 24.65 seconds. Uh, quote, Goudreau is unreal, end quote. Kane said after the event, quote, so good, just naturally gifted, big star, good skater. I felt there was someone out there that would beat me, Kane said. I messed up on the first stick handling part, and it probably cost me a second. The puck control event required, required the eight com- competitors to control a puck through a series of ten orange pucks set up in a straight line, then through a series of eight cones set up in a zigzag formation, and to shoot or guide the puck through the lit ring in each of three gates before completing the event by shooting the puck into the net. So yeah, Kane came in second, very close, lost to Johnny Gaudreau at the last second. Um, both of them excellent stick handlers. Mm-hmm. Um, did you find that thing? Yeah. So the other one that, the other female that participated was Brianna Decker, who was in the passing competition. Hmm, okay. Nice. Uh, so let's see. Moving on, I've got I've got one rumor. This one comes from Sportsnet, in Elliot Friedman's latest Thirty One Thoughts column. There was one item that mentioned a few Blackhawks players who are being watched by contenders. "Quote: I think a few contenders are considering uh, Chicago's Chris Kunitz. It makes a lot of sense. Another Blackhawk being watched is John Hayden. He had nine straight games under ten minutes, and Drake Kajula's arrival affects his role. He's got an edge, and someone else might see some value." End quote. So, uh, people are looking at Kunitz and Hayden to be moved at the trade deadline. I definitely think Kunitz will be moved. You think so? Oh, yeah. Especially just because of that veteran, like, deep playoff experience that he has. Maybe. So, like, a, a younger team, like, maybe Calgary might make a move for him or something like that. Or, like, one of the lower teams that are, like, trying to make that push, they could probably use that veteran presence. Perhaps. Um, considering how little he's contributed offensively this year, I I couldn't see a team giving up very much for him, like a, like one really late pick or something. Like right. a seventh rounder, I don't know. Um, but... You know, he's not coming back next year, most likely, so... Oh, God, like, no. He's, what, 39, right? Yeah, so that's no skin off my ass if we get an extra late pick that maybe becomes a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> John Hayden. Uh, we've... Uh, Bowman's been pretty high on Hayden for a while. Uh, he, he seems like one of those players that uh, Bowman... Like clung to and has like been ridiculously patient with. Um, he sounds like I don't know. I uh, Friedman Friedman said that with Kajula's arrival, it could threaten Hayden's job security. And Hayden was he's kind of been a role player up to this point. He's like the big guy who, you know, sticks up for his teammates and uh, you know wins those corner battles and. Mm-hmm. things like that he's that physical presence that the Hawks don't otherwise have because they're mostly you know like they're scorers and puck carriers and guys who are more 
not physical. Yeah, which you need, like, one or two physical players on your team. Yeah. And it seems like Kajula could fit that mold. Um, so, I don't know. We could see Hayden go. I can't say I'd miss him very much. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think with Hayden, though, like, I felt like his rookie season, he definitely had a lot of promise. Like, he definitely showed a lot of promise. I think he still has a lot of promise. If you, well, if you, yeah, he's if still, you look he's at still him... relatively young, so... Like when you see him on the ice, it it feels like there's it feels like there's more to him. It seems like he's got another gear that he just hasn't been able to shift into. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I don't know. Um, we'll see. Maybe the Hayden experiment is over. Maybe. I mean, I'm not calling it yet, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see. I think, um, I don't know. I Hayden's probably pretty close to his ceiling, if not there. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, Here's just one quick thing I want to add. I, I yeah. think if Hayden does end up getting traded, I probably think that probably the best pick we'd probably get out is a second rounder for him. Is my guess. Yeah. Like a mid to late second rounder. Possibly. Do you remember what, where he was picked in? Um, it it's going to look that up. Um, yeah, I could maybe see a second rounder, like at best. Uh, it's not, it's probably not going to be like last year when Nashville offered us a first rounder for um, I got uh, Ryan Hartman, which we turned into Nicholas Bodan. So. John Hayden was the 13th pick in the third round, which was 74th overall for the Hawks. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I could. I feel like I could see us getting a comparable pick in exchange for Hayden. Yeah, he's 23. He's going to be 24 next month, so he's still fairly young. Yeah, yeah he's still young. <laughs> yeah, then maybe there's someone out there who's looking for, like, a, a bottom six guy who can, you know, stick up for his team and... Add that physical presence. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, all right, so I've reached the end of my document here almost. Uh, I just got one thing. Um, I wanted to talk to you about whether or not you think the Blackhawks should consider trading Eric Gustafson. That's a tough and, one. So just like just to lay out the arguments, like the initial arguments for and against... I think that, uh, one, Gustafson has kind of shown this year that he can be an everyday NHL player. Uh, Offensively, he has so much potential, and he's already been a huge contributor on our power play, which I think makes him super valuable. He also has that team-friendly contract for like one and a quarter million a season uh, through next season. So if he could tighten up his defensive game, then he would be an absolute steal at that price. Mm -hmm. So there's maybe some value to keeping him around. Uh, Maybe you're also selling hot, too. Um, On the other hand, he also... He does have those defensive liabilities, and we do have a glut of defensemen who are coming up right now that are going to fight him for his job. Um... Now, Gustafson's a lefty, 
and we're actually going to have a lot of righties coming up. Um, I think, I think Bodan's a righty, or no, I think Bodan's a lefty. But like Mitchell, I could be totally wrong about that. I know Yoki Haru's a righty. I know Boquist is a righty. Seabrook's a righty. Mm-hmm. Yoki Hart is uh, a righty. Murphy is Murphy lefty or righty? Murphy's a lefty. Okay. I feel like all of the actually it's funny. I feel like all of the, the defensemen that we have that we could potentially move that are movable, they're all lefties. Mm. Like uh Gustafson, we're just talking about, he's a lefty. Uh, Murphy's still young, he's still got another gear. He's arguably been our best defenseman on average over the past two seasons. Um, Keith is on a really team-friendly contract. He's a veteran leader, still can be you know, a contributor in some way. He'd have to waive his no-movement clause. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forsling, he's a lefty. The, you know, he hasn't really panned out up to this point, but maybe someone else comes knocking and you know, they want to give him an opportunity elsewhere. So like those four guys, I think are probably our most tradable defensemen, outside of the you know the prospects that we don't want to trade, right? And they're all lefties. Yeah, it's definitely tough. Um, so it looks like I feel like of those guys, probably um, Forsling would be the one I'd be okay with letting go. I I agree with that. But as far as Gustafson, I feel like what the Hawks should do and may possibly do would be entertain offers on Gustafson. See if they can't squeeze, like, a a first-round pick for him. Yeah. I think he's... But at the same time, if they can't can't get that first-rounder then they hang on to him because he's a relatively cheap contract for the team. Yeah, and if he does... Assuming he does stay so um, effective offensively and assuming that he does clean up his game in in his own end a little bit, he will probably demand a raise in Mm -hmm. a year. Um, So what do you think? If If you're Stan Bowman, do you... Do you go start shopping Gustafson? No, definitely not. No? No. You just I mean, listen to offers? Okay. Yeah, I would listen to op- offers, but not shop him. Okay. Not actively shop him. I was um, I was reading uh, The Athletic, or I was listening to their, their podcast, and uh, uh, their two main Blackhawks contributors, um, Scott Powers and Mark Lazarus, they actually are in, like, extreme disagreement on this subject uh Laz says that they should keep him because he is he's young he's cheap uh he he's got to clean up his defense but like defense is something that's it's learnable whereas offense is kind of that that offensive IQ that he possesses it's kind of something you got to be born with mm-hmm um, so, like, there's so much potential there that it would be kind of crazy for them to give up. Yeah, I mean, he's 26, so he's... Yeah. So he's probably still has another year or two before he starts his prime mm-hmm. years. Yeah. 
when was uh, I'm trying to think of a comparable defenseman? I'm not gonna say Keith because Keith is a beast who like who stayed effective in his role for probably far longer than he ever should have. Um, but what do you think? What do you think Keith, uh, Keith's window was like? Twenty five to thirty when he was his most effective when he was at his prime and his peak. Um, I mean, what year did he win the Norris? <clears throat> Uh, or he won two Norrises. What years are those? Abe's gonna look that. Yeah, uh, I'm just thinking. You know, if Gustafson is just now entering his prime, and he's got this one specific, very focused area that he can clean up, then maybe it's worth keeping him around. Especially when we're, you know, we're gonna have a lot of righties and not a lot of lefties to choose from. Maybe in that case, Forsling is the guy that we look to moving. So, 2010 and 2014 is when he won Norris Trophies. 2010 and 2014? Yeah, so that was like, that's right around in that uh, range I'm thinking of, I think. What is he right now, 35? He's 35 right now, so if he won in 2010, he was... was 26? Yeah, something like that. 26, 27-ish? Okay, so you think... That we hold on to Gustafson, and we you think we shop Forsling? Yeah, I think so. Um, what is Dahlstrom? Is he righty or lefty? Uh, Dahlstrom. Let's look him up. Because I mean, uh, Dahlstrom, he's been fairly promising, but he still is like a, a six or a seven on a good team, and he's been pretty effective with Murphy. In that uh, that shutdown role, I, I think on the second pairing, and then who's who's Seabrook been playing with mostly? Um, I can't think so. Seabrook's a righty. Maybe with Murphy. It might have been Murphy. I think Seabrook and Mur- Murphy might have been for a while, uh, but Murphy was also playing with Dahlstrom. Dahlstrom is so Dahlstrom's got to be and shoots lefty. Is he? Also, oh, maybe it was Murphy that was playing on an offside. No, Murphy's a lefty. So Dahlstrom was on offside. We Whatever. probably have too many lefty defensemen. I don't... No, I don't think that's right. Well, I think they're about split right now. But we've got so many righties coming up. That's probably why Colleton has been playing Yoki Haru on the left. He wants to see if he's got that skill set where he can like switch him back and forth and move him over. But hasn't so that, Yoki Haru been playing with Keith? Keith? And Keith is a left. Yoki Haru played with Keith... Uh, when Quinville was here, and he played with Keith for a while after Colleton showed up, but uh, lately, just in the past like month or so, uh, Colleton's been playing eh, not not even that long, like the past two weeks or so, and Colleton's been playing Yoki Haru on the left with who was it? Murphy? I forget. He, he played him on the left a couple of games, and he struggled. Okay. He struggled. He had like a 35% Corsi, something in that ballpark. Um, so if if Yoki Haru on the left is going to work, it's going to take you know some, some doing. It's going to take some time. And oh, yeah, especially repetition. if he's played right his entire, like, since he's been playing. Yeah, yeah but... Yeah, that's not something you can learn overnight. But he's also really young, and he is... He's poised... And he's extremely talented. 
I, I think if there's any defenseman on this roster who can make the switch and be effective in that, you know, on either side, it's probably Yuki Haru. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just cause he's he's what nineteen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he's still a baby. <clears throat> like it's rare to have that young defenseman are already playing in the NHL, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Especially for defensemen, because defensemen take longer to develop. Um, so my my last question, it's still pertaining to the uh, the Gustafson thing, is uh, a, a big argument for keeping Gustafson instead of shopping him is that he's been such an effective quarterback on the power play. But we've got Adam Boquist coming up, who is so effective offensively at the level he's playing at that uh, you know we talked about this at one time the London Knights actually approached the Blackhawks about maybe making him forward uh, Boquist seems like the kind of offensive minded defenseman who would make a great uh, quarterback for that uh, first power play unit does the possibility of Boquist coming in and filling Gustafson's role change your mind at all or do you still say... No, I still say keep him because if you have two... And this is also contingent on if their defense can develop as properly as well. Mm-hmm. Is you would have... Let's say you have you can shuffle them between your first and second power play units. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can... Or even just throw them both onto the first unit. Because mm-hmm. you have two very highly offensive-minded defensemen that probably both have cannons with their shots, mm-hmm. shooting from left and right. Or you split them like 1A, 1B on the first and second power play unit. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah. mean, I, I mean, it's tough, but I wouldn't mind seeing both of them. Yeah. I, I know that um, uh, four forwards and one D has been the trend lately, but when if you're doing three forwards and two D, and those two D are Boquist and Gustafson, then it's almost like you got five forwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, even if you're running that one forward, you can use one of them as a forward regardless, because just because of how offensive-minded they are. Yeah, they give him the uh, the Dustin Bufflin, uh, Brent Burns treatment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think we're going to end it there. Uh, this has been Sweater Weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. I'm Luke, Abe is Abe. Uh, tweet at us, at SweaterPod. Ask us questions, give us suggestions, give us feedback. Uh, if you have nasty things to say, then please don't. Bye. Bye.